Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum. And in this HR Chat, we're going to consider HCM and time and attendance solutions to solve the key issues faced by businesses when managing their workforce. My guests, that's right, listeners, I have two today. My guests this time are Colin Leatherbarrow, Technical Director, and Ben Lagden, Head of Product at GT Clocks, who have been a market-leading manufacturer of HCM solutions for over 35 years. Colin and Ben, welcome to the HR Chat Show. Bill, nice to meet you, uh, and thanks for the opportunity uh, today to, uh, to run through this with you. Likewise, Bill, great to be here. So let's uh, let's get straight into the hard-hitting questions, gents. We've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, firstly, Grover Technology and, and GT Clocks claim to offer more than the traditional time clocks. You, you speak a lot about data privacy and, and management. Can you tell our listeners a bit more? Thanks, Bill. Uh, I'll take that if that's okay. Uh, it's a good question. And perhaps it's worth putting a bit of scene setting or background to that to start with. I think if you, if you roll the clock back... 10 years, Bill, we were a very traditional hardware manufacturer, manufacturer. But over the last 10 years, and specifically over the last five years, we've been through a, a complete overhaul or, or really a revolution, moving from essentially a classic hardware manufacturer to a software and systems provider. And during that time, we've transitioned again from being uh, essentially an on premise provider to a cloud services provider. So if you Think about the time clock, the, the device at the end, which end users interact with. There's a whole economy of, uh, of software sat behind that. So whether that's the software on the time clock, whether it's the software in the cloud that, that captures that data and then processes it and forwards it on to um, our partners, uh, time and attendance solutions, all of that system sits behind the time clock. The time clock is essentially the, 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 the top of the iceberg showing above the water. And as I said, we've been through a complete overhaul of that. We've we fast followed uh, the global trend to, to move to cloud computing uh, and the many and well-documented significant benefits that that, that brings um, from that very traditional on-premise architecture. Um, the solutions now, I think it would be fair to say, are far more flexible. They're significantly more contemporary in terms of the technology they use. They use. Um, but also the, the scalability and the security of those solutions uh, are now on par with the, the types of solutions that our, our partners actually deploy to end users. Uh, and so no longer do we have legacy servers gathering dust in a corner that probably haven't been patched for two or three years. This is all now state of the art and fully resilient and secure cloud computing, uh, which we host in uh, Microsoft uh, Microsoft Azure Cloud. Ben, do you want to just dive into a little bit more of the detail on that? Absolutely. Thanks, Colin. This is a huge subject, and this is so much of our um, added value. Um, really, in essence, time clocks, they're not what they once were, and they're sort of a far cry from the mechanical punch machines of the past. Now we need to store personal data on them, biometrics for identification, and, and, and privacy in the area of biometrics is a, is a, is a really hot topic. Um, Privacy legislation in the US is evolving with many states following the uh, the example that Illinois have made uh, with their Beeper Act. And basically that gives people the right to class action um, for not following the rules and that can be really costly. Uh, statutory damages of um, uh, 5,000 
$1,000 for each willful or reckless violation or statutory damages of $1,000 for each negligent violation. And there's been some huge examples of settlements. Six Flags um, settled at $36 million. Uh, Walmart, $10 million. Top Golf, $2.6 million. Um, so what, what do we bring to that? Well, our, well, our, our cloud platform um, combined with the applications on the time clocks themselves are developed um, by our own development team to customers' specifications and we ensure that all the responsibilities are catered for and remove the risk of, of successful litigation. You know, um, you need to take care of consent. You need to make sure that um, before that data is captured and stored, consent is taken. We need to make sure that um, the retention period of that data is, is, is adhered to and we need to make sure that re-consent is taken uh, before initial periods are reached and, and also that the data is deleted if consent is not given or it's not renewed. You also need to give a clear statement beforehand, you know, saying what it's going to be used for. And, and as Colin um, intimated towards, in, 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 we need to make sure that there are security measures there in place too. So adequate encryption and security measures can be are in place and that it can indeed be demonstrated and underpinned by external testing and, and um, certification such as pen testing. So that's part of what we bring to that and I said it was a big answer, so sorry for this, Bill. Um, but, um, you know, the other part we bring to this is, is management and distribution. Um, so, you know, knowing that the right data is in the right place at the right time when it's needed. A lot of our partners have HCM systems and suites that, that have no concept of biometric data. And, and our cloud systems can manage the distribution of that independently from them. So, and equally, they might have no concept of time clock hardware itself, um, period. So, um our platforms can can manage uh, all that all those devices on their behalf and just they have to manage a single cloud to cloud integration so you know we're doing the, the the niche time clock bit and they just can do their day-to-day business one other thing and i'm gonna i think i'll probably touch on this in more detail later but i'll just mention the remote support functionality that we we bring with that platform so it, it's it's a huge boon to our users in essentially if there's a problem with any device anywhere in the world or time clock, sorry, um, that platform offers the capability to remotely reach out to that clock, um, diagnose and fix the fault with some fairly sophisticated tools. And that obviously um, reduces the time that the clock is out of service. But also thinking about, you know, even from the carbon footprint, we're we're, um, reducing the amount of uh, travel necessary to go and service a clock nearly all issues can be remotely diagnosed and and fixed so that's a a huge benefit of using that platform and as the uh, last 18 months have uh, shown us everyone uh, it's important that you can do things remotely i do want to chat to you guys a bit more about some of the points you brought up there such as the biometrics but before we get there let's talk about this term this controversial term buddy punching it's one that's used to describe the, the process of one employee fraudulently clocking in for another employee. How does your technology combat this practice? A great question, and uh, it's an age-old problem. Um, and originally, it was your buddy grabbing your punch card from the rack, hence the term, and punching you in. Um, not only is it costly from a you know, payroll fraud perspective, but also health and safety implications where, you, you know, you as a business think that you've got certain skill sets, certain staff with certain training present, and they're not even in the building. So typically... Time clocks use biometric identification to solve this issue, be it finger or face. By requiring biometric identification at the point um, when someone enters the building uh, or starts work, you can ensure that they are actually present. It's combined with more uh, 
it can be combined with more traditional proximity cards, barcodes, all the things you would normally expect to, um, to, to identify yourself with, but essentially identifying you against a biometric template. People, though, you know, they always find ways to try and beat the system. And, and in, I've been, in, in, over the years, I've seen several examples of this. Um, you know, I've seen examples where rogue supervisors have enrolled different fingers against different members of their team to punch them in at the beginning of the day. Um, I've even seen documented cases where people have made latex fingers um, to try and fool, uh, fool biometric finger sensors or, or use uh, smartphone pictures of the, of the other employee to, to fool facial recognition. So our technology also helps with this. You know, we employ different technologies to combat it. Um, simply taking a random photograph of employees using the finger biometrics is one solution. You know, you can audit that later. Um, more advanced solutions we implement use anti-spoof, and that uses uh, artificial intelligence and other technologies to ensure that that face or that finger is real. You know, anomalies can then be flagged and audited. So, you know, even even the knowledge of, of these technologies being implemented often is, en is enough to eradicate the practice. Our technology also helps with this. You know, we employ different technologies to combat it. Simply taking a random photograph of employees using the finger biometrics as one solution you know you can audit that later more advanced solutions we implement use anti-spoof and that uses uh, artificial intelligence and other technologies to ensure that that face or that finger is real you know anomalies can then be flagged and audited so you know even even the knowledge of, of these technologies being implemented often is, en is enough to eradicate the practice Wonderful. Thank you, Ben. Colin, I want to I want to pose one to you now. Uh, let, let's talk a bit more about biometrics, which have been mentioned a little bit so far. Uh, the, the word biometrics is, is, is mentioned a lot in time and attendance these days, although there is some reservations about collecting people's data via face scans and so on. I believe that face recognition combats this by mapping the face as opposed to photographing it. Could, could you could you tell us more about that? And how does the fingerprint technology do the same thing? Great question, Bill. Thanks. And this is a, a common misnomer. And interestingly, whether it's a fingerprint biometric or a facial biometric um, used to identify or verify a person interacting with our time clock, um, the principles are essentially the same. Um, just stepping back slightly, though, the, the technology to capture the initial image differs, though. A fingerprint um, reader um, uses a uh, multispectral sensor that you put your finger onto, physically contact with, to read the subdermal layer of the skin um, of your fingerprint. And that eradicates problems, for instance, with either dirt on your finger or, or scratches. Uh, and a facial um, enrollment process uses a, a visible and or infrared camera to, to capture an image of your face. So at that point, essentially, uh, they both captured an image. However, this is where it, uh, it, it essentially gets clever. So after they've taken that initial image, uh, an algorithm essentially is run across the image and it maps out the minutia uh, in those images. So in the case of a fingerprint, it maps the distances uh, between the unique finger-centric circles on your finger. In the case of a face, it's looking at the distance between your eyes or, or the way that your lips are mapped. And these are all obviously unique to each individual. So once that uh, process of mapping that minutiae has, has been completed, they, those are then converted um, using proprietary algorithms to create a, a minutiae map, which converts that to a unique binary template. Uh, and it's probably worth saying here from which you cannot reconstitute the original image from. 
And at this point, we throw away the original image. So that's no longer in use. The, the, the original photograph of the finger or the original photograph of the face is discarded for these purposes at that point. So that data is then um, stored in an encrypted form and it sits in the database alongside that person's unique identifier. There could be their employee number or, or a UID. And in many cases, uh, that can be anonymized. So, so only the UID or user ID and the template are stored together without any other information. And I think it's worth pointing out again here that we expressly only use the biometric template for the purposes of either identify or verifying individuals at our time clock. The data is never monetized or used with third parties. And we actually, as Ben mentioned this earlier, actually, we record the consent of the individual to use that data and when that consent expires, so we can automatically erase it if another consent's not given. Colin, just a quick follow-up question on that, if, if, if I may. Um, as a layman, I, I do apologise. I, I don't understand this stuff like you guys do, but um, I, I'd be I'd be keen to to hear from you about the the consent piece. If if an employee leaves an organisation, is their consent automatically withdrawn, or is there some sort of process that the HR department has to go through to make sure that that happens? So yes, <laughs> is the answer to that. So there's various um, mechanisms, safeguards in place. So, for instance, the um, the uh, approval, the consent to use the data is refreshed regularly. So as a catch-all, that consent would expire and the record would automatically be um, erased by the system. And that would actually mean that the, the, the cloud solution would know wherever that template had been sent. To, so, for instance, it may, be, it may have gone to 10 or 20 different clocks, depending on where that person moves within the organization it'll know that it needs to go and erase that template potentially off of all the devices it may have ever been used at. Um, but uh, the second, and I guess more often used uh, technique would be that our customer's platform would send us a, essentially a push us a transaction to say, this person is no longer an employee, please erase all, all information in the platform uh, regarding that person, then it's exactly what we do. We, we we essentially have a process that then goes through and erases that person's data from our cloud platform and actually from any clocks connected to that cloud platform. I think that's uh, that's the answer to that, Bill. That's a good answer. I, I approve of that process. Um, okay, uh, okay. So now for for both of you, I, I'd I'd love to hear how the pandemic has influenced the use of biometric technology. And I'll, I'll take the first part of this and perhaps Ben can, can dive into a bit more detail towards the end. So we've certainly seen a trend towards um, touchless interaction with time clocks as a need from our customers. And we've certainly seen as a result of that, a trend towards facial recognition um, from finger biometrics for the obvious reason that using a face doesn't require you to actually physically touch any type of sensor. Interestingly, However, it seems that this is actually a little bit geography and vertically biased in, in the way that's being implemented. So, for instance, in, in the US, um, biometric usage has been less affected uh, on fingerprints than other geographies, except, for instance, in healthcare, uh, where, interestingly, the reverse is, is true. Um, and in the UK um, care industry, finger biometrics are seen just as another thing to touch. And as long as all of the um, sanitization processes are processes are in place, we haven't seen uh, any major pushback. In the US, however, fingerprint biometrics in the healthcare segment are, are just a hard pass period, just they don't want to do it. And that's been a, 
a significant push towards um, facial recognition technology. Listening to our customers uh, over the last 18 months, uh, we've added a couple of innovations in in 2021 in response to that. Um, for instance, the uh, this was quite difficult to do, uh, but our time clocks are able to now um, detect a mask if a person is wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. And that can be a really simple implementation where in an anonymous way, it just says, um, hey, this person is or isn't wearing a mask as they're coming into the workplace. But also it could be, uh, for instance, adapted into a workflow. So if the person is trying to punch into work and they're not wearing a mask, the workflow may say, please wear a mask before you're able to punch in. Um, this is completely configurable by our partners, but you can see um, how that technology would um, add value to to enforcing any uh, any regulations that may be in place in the workplace. Ben, do you want to just go on and expand on that in relation to the facial recognition technology? As Colin mentions, um, that's a tricky thing to implement to get is a reaction to a to an immediate problem where we need to make sure that people are wearing masks. But equally, that then. How do you how do you reconcile that against the functionality required from face rec? You know, um, face recognition works on having facial features available um, to build a template to be able to check that somebody is is who they say they are. And if you cover half the face up, you've got half those points of minutiae, as Colin mentioned, missing. Um, so we work really hard to come up with an effective solution that that can that can still work in those circumstances. Of course, accuracy will, will, will change. So if you're um, working in the mode that Colin mentions, where you're trying to decide who the person is, identify someone effectively, we haven't got the secondary credential like a, like a card, um, then that, that, that can fall um, and may only be sort of um, you know, effective for, for smaller workforces. Um, but if you use a card like Verify and then you are checking the person as who they say they are, um, we've we've come up with a very effective solution that can still um, perform a facial recognition check on someone wearing a mask. That's a, a game changer, especially in the healthcare sector where it is you know mandated. Um, that that's a really effective and popular solution. Sort of um, looking at the applications on the devices, people don't want to touch things, you know. So um, where you would normally be confirming actions uh, on a device to say, yeah, punching in, punching out, um, this is my break, all those sorts of things. What we try to do is automate some of these actions so you minimise your sort of touch footprint on the device. So just when you're punching in, for instance, um, in the morning, you, you approach the device, you wave a card, you present your face, it will check um, that you're wearing a mask first of all, and then it will try to um, try to identify you um, based, on, um, based on your facial recognition uh, template. But then it will assume that you're punching in because it will know your shift details. So then if you're not punching in, you have another action. You have the choice to override it, but it'll have like a countdown on the screen just to just to make sure um, that you've got the option to do something else. But all of these are just small and uh, but important um, changes to application workflows just to ensure that you are really, you know, reducing that, that footprint of, um, of, of touch on, on the devices. Okay, so Ben, visitors, sickness, vacation, plus time and attendance, they're all administered through your technology to offer staff insights without the traditional admin hassles, is what you guys claim. Tell us about that. How does it work? That's a fast-moving area, Bill. So the rules, they vary state by state, and they vary year on year. Um, so businesses uh, rely more on the technology, such as collaborative scheduling, even artificial intelligence to minimise the impact of any absences. 
And this is becoming even more pertinent with the pandemic. Um, so you know, how do you fill the gap if several of your, your skilled team members are suddenly ill or they're self-isolating? Software can be used to communicate to those team members who have indicated availability via mobile apps whilst maintaining compliance with working time rules. Um, so I suppose the question is how do um, GT clocks help in delivering a solution when this uh, this landscape's ch all, uh, changing all the time? So firstly, um, we can provide uh, an in-app browser experience. So this is where you use the device like normal, you authenticate with it, but all of that self-service functionality regarding absences, department changes, shift changes, and things like attestation, where employees need uh, employee uh, employers need employees to confirm uh, that breaks have been taken and that's delivered in, via an in-app browser. So this benefit to our partners is that um, they can continually develop the experience uh, in line with the changing requirements without any of the logistical problems you know, that's going to be rolling out applications to time clocks. Uh, they may be all over the country, widely dispersed, so it, it's just a constant development. Um, the second um, area really is we work with our partners to ensure that the user experience on the clock is the same as they would expect from any part of their HCM suite. Um, there's a misconception that, that time clocks are, are necessarily evil and businesses must always bend to the capabilities of the device. On the contrary, uh, our professional services development service, uh, they, uh, those developers, they ensure the experience is exactly as you require it with, with no compromises. Okay, wonderful. Chaps, we're already coming towards the end of this interview. I can't believe it. Uh, but we are. I've just got a couple more questions for you. Maybe both want to take this. Maybe, Ben, you, you might want to have a go at this one. H how can companies manage multiple HCM terminals in, in different locations at the same time? And, of course, many, many countries are um, moving back to some sort of uh, office environment. But, you know, um, working from home, I don't think ever's going to go away now. And, uh, and it's important that uh, companies embrace the fact that they can be anywhere in the world. Um, but with that, I guess, come come technical challenges. Absolutely. Um, and I think um, a lot of the problems that you mentioned there are also addressed by, and I will point us back to our cloud platforms. You know, the, the GT Connect um, platform, as we call it, uh, is not only designed to look after the data and, and, you know, help people to comply with enforcement of the data, that sort of thing we've already spoken about. It's also designed to really manage the devices the updates they'll need, application updates, security fixes, um, distributing that data, as I spoke about earlier, is um, is, is all managed by that platform. Um, so, you know, when our partners um, integrate with us, they don't have those proprietary challenges. All of that's taken care of via, via our platforms and making it very, very quick and easy to market for them. The, um, the other part is, you know, fixing the devices when they're in the field. And as, as Colin intimated to earlier, um, you know, these tools very much give you that, that we're all used to having our computers remotely managed, um, you know, or remotely controlled. And we have very similar software that can uh, that can allow support personnel to to take control of the devices in the field and also look at the logs and, fi and basically fix any issues, often proactively without, without the the end user even knowing or seeing seeing the issue one more question for you both it's a it's a doozy it's um it's not really it's how can how can our listeners connect with you maybe through linkedin maybe your email addresses and also how can they work, learn more about all of the cool things happening over at grovener technology reach out to myself or ben or on linkedin you'll find us both there you'll find gt clocks on linkedin you can find us also on our gtclocks.com website as well 
Perfect, chaps. Thank you very much. That just leaves me to say, in fact, thank you so much for being guests on this episode of the HR Chat Show. Pleasure. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.